What's new, what's new? Welcome back to another music interview. I'm Justin the Floor God. This is the So Who's Up Next podcast, a show where I have curious conversations with my fellow musicians about their music, process, and creativity. Leif has the spirit of adventure and a soul of music. Self-taught in more ways than one, Leif has become a master of movement through and in between genres, releasing albums and albums of demos on Bandcamp and his most recent release on Spotify, and especially with the way he conducts himself in daily life. Definitely an enlightened individual. I learned so much during our talk, and I'm sure you will too. Let's get into it. Leif, nice to have you on the show. Hello, it is wonderful to be here. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? I was born and raised in central Wisconsin, which I guess to the outside eye seems like a pretty dismal place. It's not so bad. It's a pretty small town called Stevens Point. We have an awesome local art scene, super connected local businesses. We have no shortage of bands and artists that are like dying to do stuff. And it's pretty cool because we're just about an hour from all the hot places like Eau Claire or Madison. Milwaukee's not too far, Green Bay. So being dead in center has been kind of nice. Growing up with all that art influence and music influence, did that shape your music style heavily or did you derive inspiration from elsewhere? I would say that the style of music I developed was uh, incredibly internal, came from digging within myself, probably introspection. But the local music scene here was without a doubt foundational to, I guess, my confidence as a musician. Seeing my friends that I grew up with get up on stage at the local campus or at a bar or a venue or even just a house show and feeling that sort of blind, loving energy of being part of something that close and intimate in the musical process. Seeing people I know make that step was really all the proof I needed to know that I could also make that step if I wanted to. Nice. And so at what point did you decide to make that step? I know recently you made a, I guess, bigger step more fully onto Spotify and we'll we'll get into that in a second. But what first got you started into making music and actually releasing it? I would also call that a sort of a, a happy accident, if you will. Okay. I didn't intend on creating music seriously. It was a hobby that was actually born out of camming. I was I was doing online like chatterbait, like cam whoring when I was really young. Okay. And I was gifted some audio equipment because I'd always wanted to play around with recording vocals. I was very active in like vocal jazz and choir. Hmm. And once I got this audio equipment um, from my uh, fans, it just sort of spiraled and I became fascinated with the recording process and just sitting there with my little 25 key and my laptop and my blue Yeti microphone plucking away at the MIDI roll and recording random things in my room. That sort of snowballed into creating meme music. Uh, okay. I played a lot of video games, MMOs, make a lot of like World of Warcraft meme songs. And I didn't really realize that I was training and practicing all these essential skills for creating different kinds of music. Just because I was so interested in making these jokes come to life, I, I didn't realize how applicable it was in the future. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and now here you are making all these things and, and working with so many different people on a constant basis. Your sound has definitely oh God, progressed. Yeah. But I do want to talk about that MISC Alt project, the World of Warcraft one you just mentioned. 
the yes. Baron's Chat Ballad Collection. Walk <laughs> me through the creation or I guess the conception of that idea. Oh my God. So, you know, for everything that album is worth, mm. that was one of my strange flagships from the internet. It got traction in the World of Warcraft community. I had people that I didn't know from various private server communities and discords, 4chan, stuff like that, mm. reaching out to me and just expressing how much they loved the Baron's Chat Ballad collection. The reason I, I created it is I was in this guild called uh, Mandate of Heaven for around four years when playing World of Warcraft. And that's a long time to be playing with these people every single day. It was about 300 people in the guild. So I developed a lot of various relationships, both good and bad. This is a very deep internet crowd. So obviously you get some of the less savory characters down in that part of the web. Mm -hmm. But the Baron's Chat Ballad collection was sort of a... It was born for a couple reasons. One being to process the things I was experiencing with these people, whether that was being bullied by them or starting to feel greater connections for certain people, or maybe just something ridiculous happened in the game and I just wanted to compose that into audio. A lot of them would stem from arguments and conversations within the guild that I would just then make this big joke out of and it would kind of lighten the air of the situation and people really got attached to that nice and so i'm curious i really like the sounds and and the you know just the raw creativity and that's something that <laughs> i hear throughout your entire discography and it's like not even a joke though because i know like partially this is made as a joke but it's also just genuinely good music like my favorite off that one was definitely javardel because of the the transitions <laughs> really? and the different instrumentation yeah it was like i was stepping into that world for a bit you know i never really played world of warcraft but I could, I guess, maybe envision what that would be like through that song. So I'm just curious, who is Javardel? Because it sounds like a name to me, right? My buddy, I think he pronounces it Havel. Man, this is a while ago. They actually uh, transitioned now. They're uh, she. I don't actually know their real name, just username. But mm -hmm. they were Havel, uh, a healer in the game. And I had asked them about their favorite music. And it was a song called, I think it's Nimrodel which okay. is named after an elvish word in Lord of the Rings. And I think it's by like Red Camel or something like that. So I just smashed Nimrodel and Havel together and got Haverdel. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I was trying to look it up. I couldn't find anything on it. I was like, this is definitely, you know, a made up word, maybe username, something like that. So that's super cool yep. to hear. But yeah, so... I can't you like that one. <laughs> I mean, like it was just, I don't know, <laughs> just the, the create... Is that like a usual response you get from people when, when they tell that's you they like That's personally my least favorite. Oh no, what's your favorite off of that one? Just curious. Probably sitting alone in Discord. Why? It was the best ending to that album possible because in the timeline of spending four years with this guild, it ended in me being extremely isolated from these people, uh, bullied, mistreated for various reasons. But sitting alone in Discord was just like this, such a perfect finale. And I recorded it as a joke. But then after I hit pause, right when I strummed the last chord, Mm -hmm. I started crying and I just realized that my time with this guild was over. This musical project was over and I didn't know what was next. If anything, it's good that your own music moves you to that extent because it'll definitely impact other people, maybe not in the same weighted way. But 
sure definitely you know the the connection to to the emotion is there and it definitely helps listeners the baron's chat ballad collection was you know video game inspired and maybe a lot of your work or even all of your work is but you also have the ability to create you know more singer songwriter stuff and then one of the yeah. recent releases you had was i think it was on the video game music demo tape that was all like EDM stuff, right? Uh, yeah, I put out a little collection of demos that was more drum and bass, I trance house, a bunch of stuff like that that I've tried to make. So walk me through the process of you coming up with these different ideas, because I know for a lot of artists, it's hard to maybe box them into one genre, but to see someone like you go from maybe not opposite ends of the spectrum, but like bouncing around musically, what's going through your mind when you're seeking out to create something new? The vast majority of my discography stems from something that's happening with me and my friends, whether that's a joke or someone does something meaningful or my song Coffee With You. My friend Isaiah just happened to come by and I was strumming on the guitar and he started to playfully just like sing a random verse. And I was like, hold on, that's catchy. Let's do that again. And then suddenly we have this indie pop song and, and we're just like fucking around the whole time. Songs like Write Sorry, which is a house track that I have, was created because me and my buddies were sending British <laughs> accented audio texts back and forth over Facebook. And I was just <laughs> laughing. Yeah. And I was like, you guys, I'm turning this into a house song. Like, give me a couple hours. I enjoyed the song so much. I was like, this isn't hard enough. I want it to be Psytrance now. So I, I bought a Psytrance sample pack and I just remixed it again. I don't know. I get so many influences from festivals and anime conventions, renaissance fairs. I see people playing hurdy-gurdies and hand drums. And then the next weekend, I'm headbanging to like Cohen Sound and Tipper. So to me, music is just this playful box of toys. And I, I can't imagine why people wouldn't want to access everything out there from Vocaloids to Mongolian throat singing. 100%. And having that palette, I guess, is a word we could use for all those kinds of music. And then being able to just at will select what you want to make is definitely a, a very cool skill and something really cool to listen to. Listening through all your all the demos you just released, it definitely comes through in, in more ways than one. And just seeing that culmination and all the inspirations, you know, come to life in that way is super, super cool. I'm also curious about why you decided to recently release all of these demos? Because before this, they'd just been sitting on your hard drive somewhere, right? For like seven to eight-ish years. Yeah, most of these tracks were just sitting in my hard drive. <laughs> Damn. So, okay. Yeah. So walk me through what made you finally release all of them. Because you release them all kind of in batch, right? Yeah. One day I decided I had enough and I put together like 60 or 70-ish of those mp3s. I kind of chopped them up into themes and started releasing them on Bandcamp. I think I just have one more, which is the Baron's Chat Ballad Collection. So was that like a mental barrier for you to finally just push yourself to release this stuff? Or what was the real reason you decided to drop all of this new music? 100% a mental barrier, a lack of inner confidence, a lack of belief in myself. I, I would say my biggest hurdle in music has been my perfectionism. I just care so much about the presentation of what I'm creating that that's the sole reason that no one has been able to appreciate 
what I've been creating. So it's this sort of nonsensical wheel that I found myself in. And after my rebrand from Misc Alt to Leif and my unfortunate contract that I'm locked in, my 10 best songs are sort of out of my hands now, which was an awful process to go through. I felt like my music had come crashing down. That was it. It took me so long to figure out and be okay with releasing 10 songs and allowing someone else to try and produce, mix, and master that. And once that fell through, I just had this hole and I realized that if I want anything to happen in music, I've got to like get on my feet and and go and make that accessible for myself. So I created a bunch of new social media accounts. I started networking with other musicians and producers. I started teaching myself uh, marketing strategies. I've been reading some books, watching videos. I sort of came to realize as I was associating myself with other creatives that I had accidentally developed this massive set of skills, like you said, being able to create almost any genre I want Mm -hmm. and record any audio and anything that a customer wants created, I never feel like, hmm, I don't know if I'll be able to make this. I just, I am able to make it because I spent so much time making all these jokes. And once I saw that, I realized how much potential I had that I wasn't allowing to grow. So I said, fuck it. I've had enough. I have streamers asking me when I'm releasing music because they want to have it on their stream. I have video game composers interested in hearing more of my art because they might want to hire me. I have YouTubers. I have animators. And so these album drops, even though they're demos and a lot of them are yet to be finished, it allows people to see what I'm made of. And I don't know why it took me eight years to figure that out. But hey, we're here now. Exactly. And I mean, definitely a good lesson to learn there, even if it did take a little bit longer than you might have expected. But like you said, we're here now. And that's all that really matters because, you know, can't, can't do anything about the past now. But you mentioned customers. I know that you do some client work with, you know, all those types, streamers, video game creators, Etc. So how do you go about marketing your music for sale? I know you made a beat pack earlier. Uh, yeah, I got into a sample packs a little bit because there's lots of beat makers out there. I think the biggest thing I've been focusing on is making myself known and available and I guess receptive to the community around me. I'm trying to make sure that my outreach is hitting all the major platforms, uh, Instagram Reels, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, you know, all the big hitters, producing video content so people can see what sort of person I am. I realized that the more that I started to give back to the creative community, the more that it was working in my favor really. I think all the little collabs that I've been doing, the sample pack work, I've been an instrumentalist for hire for a couple projects now. Nice. Got a little video game project in the works that's going to be hitting the Steam marketplace. But all these little projects sort of acted as proof of my willingness to work with others, my ability to communicate, my ability to have fun and enjoy the process. And so now all these people are 
vouching for me, telling their friends, telling their creatives. And before I knew it, in a matter of just a few months, I had people showing up in my DMs daily trying to make music with me. And it has truly, in maybe four to six months, I went from hidden bedroom producer to, I feel like I have an active professional life and I never thought I would be able to say that. Wow, that's crazy. And congratulations on that. That's definitely commendable. Do you think there's anything that clicked in your process that you weren't doing before? Or was it just something that you know, was bound to happen over time once you put in enough time. I firmly believe that music is a human trait instead of a skill. Horses gallop, humans have music. And in that way, I think my music process was always directly in line with the process of myself, the -hmm. process of my intuition of taking care of myself, of healing myself, of working through relationships and pains and traumas and stuff like that. The more that I was able to become in touch with that, it allowed me to dig deeper and deeper inside to find that confidence and to find that music. So I don't believe I would be doing what I am now had I not been working on myself and trying to be patient with myself and all these other things that had nothing to do with music, really. So earlier you mentioned that you had, I'm just going to say altercation with the producer that you were working with on your debut album. And you, you just now mentioned the idea of traumas and how those kind of help you build your confidence. I'm just curious about what that experience was like and then also what you've learned from it. It started about two years ago now and it is still ongoing. This was a 10 song debut album. This person reached out to me on Reddit. I was trying to source mixing engineers to prepare these 10 songs for a release. Mm -hmm. And this person reached out to me and we really hit it off. He actually became, dare I say, a, a father figure to me. We would text literally every single day. We were making music every single day. He was there for me. He would lift my spirits. He was constantly teaching me new things, new strategies, Hmm. linking articles to grow as a musician. Then we, we took it a step further. We decided to join a writing partnership together. So we began to ghostwrite music and pitch it to record companies. I can't say for certain why things are turning out the way they are. I I certainly have guesses, but it's all presumptuous. Mm -hmm. But as it stands, we are not on speaking terms. He delivered me a seven page email of just degrading insults and not the kind of like anger where it's a misunderstanding or something. It's it was an attempt to hurt me. And that's really where I draw the line. We had this beautiful professional relationship and it flipped script in a matter of a week. And I really, truly don't know why. It broke my heart for months. I've been learning how to move past that. And like I mentioned earlier, those 10 songs were sort of my flagship. That's I put all my heart and soul into that. It was so hard for me to release music. So to have 10 songs that I was ready to release was huge. And now it's at the point where I have signed this contract that is very loosely defined so many holes in it. And so it's very uncertain as to the future of this album and 10 of my absolute most passionate pieces. Hmm. But I've had to sort of accept that. And that is when I got the confidence to take my music a step further. So in a way, this contract was such a necessary evil. 
Yeah. And that's, that's great that you can frame it that way, because I can only imagine, you know, what kind of mindset would result from an alternative perspective. Now you're moving forward, you're releasing demos left and right, and you just released your first single on Spotify, Something Deep Within. So tell me a little bit about that one. One of my more peculiar tracks, I often feel as though I'm not the one creating some of my music and that it's coming from a different place. I'm not going to pretend to know where that place is. Hence the name of this single, Something Deep Within, because that's my best guess. Hmm. I sat down one day and I was just scrolling through samples and I, I came across the sample that creates the drum pattern in that song and something just grabbed hold inside my my heart and my chest. And in a matter of, I think it was like three or four hours, I had that track and I just listened to it over and over and I couldn't find anything to scrutinize. And for me to sit there and throw a track together and then sit back and be like, wait, how is this? How is this perfect to me? Where's yeah. my perfectionism? Where's this argument that I literally have for the last 114 tracks that I've finished? And so it was very strange to me. And I sort of took that as, well, if I have no problem with you, little song, maybe you're ready for Spotify and iTunes and all that. Yeah. And that's super cool. So a few things to unpack there. The first, I think, is the something deep within. You know, I read this book a while ago called Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, and she discusses this idea of the spirit of creativity being beyond and external from, I guess, human capability. So for you to say something like, you know, it's not you making the music, that's kind of a similar idea. It completely changed my own perspective on how I view music because like I went from looking at it to like a thing you can interact with, you know, a human, uh, what did you say? Like it was a human trait. I think music is inherently human. Like horses gallop, humans have music. It's not right. something skill. It's within us. Yeah, exactly. And so my mindset before that you know, because I'm very much on the same page with you now. But before that, I was like, oh, music is this thing humans can make and can interact with in a more like static way, rather than sure. a, a trait, you know, that is, you know, something deep within that we can access that that playfulness, that creativity, you know, the spirit yes. of it. Um, and so in that way, I found that that comment really, really interesting. With all these demos, with all these sources of inspirations that you've discussed, do you ever find yourself without inspiration? Oh, my God all the time. I'm without inspiration more than I am with inspiration. And I think that's a huge misconception that I see replayed in the music community or any creative community. People have this very industry idea. And by industry, I mean like a factory. They think their art is akin to something that's being produced by machines and that needs to be output in excess so that I can hit the shelves and sell like a traditional good would. Mm -hmm. But I think people get stuck in that because like we were talking about earlier, a lot of the music process is this weird pool that we can pull from. And I believe that pool is finite and it needs to recharge and it can also overflow. And that's where I get some of the best tunes. My process on a day to day is usually around two weeks of smoking cannabis, playing video games with my buddies, reading, laying on the floor. And then I will suddenly get this massive burst of creative energy. And for two to three days, I'll get so much done. 
And then I'm right back to the couch after that. Becoming patient with that process and learning that that is the best way that I make music was so freaking hard because I was constantly telling myself, like, what do you mean sitting here and doing nothing is going to make better music? You have to go and make better music. It's that simple. Go and work, work, work. Mm -hmm. But I was burning myself out for years trying to do that. And until I let go of that concept, now suddenly I'm I'm blossoming. <laughs> yeah. And that's something that, you know, you've got a few years on me. I'm still kind of learning to balance that aspect of my own creative process as well. I've just recently begun to get over what was like a 10 month writer's block. I was trying to force it. You know, I wasn't paying yeah. attention to that balance of action and inaction. And so I completely agree that, you know, you do have to take those breaks and fill your mind with different ideas and, and recharge that pool so that you can access it again in deeper and different ways. Yes. And the more you sort of hark on yourself for not doing it, it's like draining your battery again. Mm -hmm. So you're in this, this endless cycle where you get like month, month long writer's block. It's, I feel that mostly happens because we're not patient with ourselves. and I'm not pointing fingers. I still suffer with this all the time. Mm -hmm. So in that process that you were describing to me, you know, you play video games, you know, read, do your things one of the activities or i guess non-activity was laying on the floor so i'm just curious about that part is that more like a meditation or where exactly is your headspace when you find yourself you know staring at the ceiling the way i i live the way i think the way i speak i like to take things at a very particular pace but life and especially western culture moves rather quickly so i think when i find myself on the floor it's a nice moment of doing nothing so yeah i guess it is a form of meditation i just need to i need to not <laughs> yeah speaking of knots i think i saw this on your twitter a while ago that you sleep on the floor and you claim it's like the best thing that's ever happened to your back uh yeah i've been without a bed for over three years now oh my god we're coming up on four crazy so wait walk me through that decision because that's a little <laughs> you know out of the ordinary so what got you out of bed forever i guess <laughs> long story short in 2014 i flung myself out a window horrible idea and nice, i developed nice. <laughs> a lot of musculoskeletal issues and at 19 i was in severe back pain and i was watching youtube videos and i had like physical therapy regimens to try and fix myself before i grew up because if i already had the back of a 65 year old What's it going to feel like when I turn 65? Yeah. So I, I kind of panicked and I started to really focus on my posture, TMJ issues, tinnitus, getting into yoga, more exercises, and everything that was sort of correcting and realigning my body, which I'm not going to dive super into it, but I didn't realize that posture affected the entire human experience. Mm. Anywhere from your hearing to your stomach, to the way your feet feel, to the way you can breathe. So I sort of started to learn about this very intensely. And I came across a story recounted by Alan Watts, an Eastern Western philosopher. And he described the process of monks sleeping in Tibet and how they had trained their awareness to remain acute even during the sleeping process, which allowed them to explore their subconscious in unique ways. And you could talk about this in the form of astral projection 
or out of body experiences or lucid dreaming. Mm-hmm. And he w- ended this tale with essentially saying the end goal for a lot of these monks is to sleep comfortably during a rainstorm on the concrete outside. I sort of took that as a a personal challenge. I I think there's something noble in that. But when I started sleeping on the floor, obviously I didn't just outright sell my bed. Mm -hmm. I gave it a month or two and then I realized I didn't want to get back into my bed and I would wake up feeling so much more limber. Pushing myself up off the floor every day helps me to wake up rather than just swinging my legs over the bed and suddenly I'm standing. Mm -hmm. The act of actually pushing my whole body up off the floor is like this... No, nice little morning alarm clock. And so after a while, I was just like, I don't, I don't need this bed anymore. I feel great. I'm waking up better. I'm falling asleep better. I feel more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And yeah, now I'm the person who hasn't had a bed in four years. And people are like, Are you okay? Like, Honestly, I'm better than ever. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And definitely on brand. Um, <laughs> so I think I think I can appreciate that. And definitely something I'll start to think about. You know, I've never thought because I, I use memory foam. Like I'm like, I'm serious about this, you know, sleeping on clouds type of thing, but never considered the uh, polar opposite but maybe in the future i'll keep you posted on that reprogramming your mind and habits for healing is a physical mental spiritual process yes as as a monk or not you know depending on where you find yourself or what practices you're getting into we can only reach the limits of what is humanly possible by our own will but You know, earlier you mentioned cannabis, and I know for one of your songs off of the demos, I'll Get By, you were on shrooms for that one. So I'm just just curious about the place uh, psychoactive substances has in your process of creation. Psychedelics are, man, this is weird to say, they are foundational to my human experience. Mm. And that was coming from a person who thought smoking weed would melt your brain. I found myself around 17, 18, very much on the cusp of suicide. And I sort of told myself, if I'm willing to leave and just kind of exit everything, then really what's the harm in trying psilocybin? It had come up, um, I don't remember who brought it to my attention. I took one gram of dried mushrooms. I was 18 years old. And I walked around outside in the forest for hours in a total state of awe. Hmm. I felt, man, I want to start crying. I felt alive and and whole for the first time in so long. And these were feelings that I thought were completely lost. Like, it could not get them back. Wow. And here, this, this drug that I thought um, only degenerates did was showing me that it was possible to be alive. That really spiraled into a fierce dedication to exploring psychedelics. Like I had mentioned earlier, I get these sort of inner calls. Sometimes it's music, sometimes it's a decision. But I had a a sort of mandate. You know, you could say that's from God or, or Zeus or Allah, but some sort of mandate to continue exploring psychedelics. There was a voice, whether it was silent or not, I really can't say, that told me I'm not finished with this. I need to continue learning. So I spent a, a number of years actually doing various psychedelics. 
I would like to add as safely as I could. I made sure to source them from good people. I put them through multiple series of test kits. I've lost friends to substances. I've seen bad things happen. So with stuff that is this powerful, it has to come with an air of of reverence, with caution and, and respect. You are allowing this mystical thing to take hold of at least half of your existence for a number of hours up to 16 sometimes 32 if you're doing things like dmt you're giving a hundred percent of your control away so this isn't something that i would recommend for everyone and anyone this was a decision i made on accident and then saw the incredible potential that psychedelics had to reconnect me with the world around me reconnect me with my family my loved ones but most importantly, reconnect me with myself. I hated myself. I lost myself. Psychedelics taught me how to love again, how to appreciate, how to enjoy nature. And with all that growth, it poured into the creative process, into music. I mean, look at bands like the Grateful Dead, the Beatles, the the current festival scene with psychedelic drugs. I truly believe they go hand in hand with creativity. Wow, that's kind of a lot to take in on my end. That's super cool to hear, though, that transformation and that journey. And it's not something that I haven't heard echoes of in other people before. A few other guests I've had on the show mentioned different substances and how they've affected them in in kind of similar ways, but also very different ones. It's definitely a subjective experience, but to hear your perspective and how much of an impact it's had on your outlook and your way of life is super, super interesting to hear. And so throughout our talk, I think it was like exactly three times that you've mentioned the phrase, this was an accident. And as a result, you came out better on the other side. The first time was whenever you first jumped into music. The second time was that altercation with the producer. And then the third time in finding yourself. So to take all of those factors in as accidents, I think would be a a bit discounting of the, the reality of it, you know, because while you can push all this onto like an external being, you know, God, creativity, you know, whatever spirit or entity you want, it's also very much you. I think that's important to, to take note of as well. I do agree. And I don't think I would be able to accomplish. I do think that sometimes I'm more of a conduit than a creator, like something is coming through rather than me outputting. But I, I agree. I don't want to discount my own process, my own discipline, training myself, these skills, sitting like at the BioLife Plasma donation, watching mixing videos and learning how to navigate my first DAW. It was definitely a huge process. And now we're here, you know, way better on the other side of the grass. I mean, from my perspective, definitely looks greener in your case. And it sounds like it's definitely greener. Green and lush. Green and lush. I like to hear it. So (laughs) tell me what you think you'd be up to right now if you had never found music. Jesus. Okay. (laughs) Super depressing. Honest answer, dead. Hmm. Um, More theoretical, probably somewhere in teaching. I'd always been fascinated with English. I love writing. I love reading. I love etymology. I've always loved the process of helping others. So before I was exploring music more seriously, I had plans to do things in writing. I liked editing. I liked writing articles about music. I did that for a while in my college before I... (laughs) They fired me. It was awful. Oh, no. Yeah, I'd probably do something 
like that. I still keep that in the back of my mind. I think maybe later in life when music sort of calms down and I'm doing it much more passively, that it would be so cool to live in Japan, uh, teach English, maybe Berlin. I could teach uh, English there. I speak pretty decent German. I don't know, somewhere else. Nice. I forgot about that, actually. Yeah, I should have opened this with a with a very good... Uh... Vigets, you know, or Vigetas dear, you know. Vigetas. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my German is ass, but it's fine. <laughs> yes. So I guess long run, because you mentioned that you wanted music in the long term to be more of a passive process. What exactly does that mean for you in the future? I think, and it's really so hard. I, I try not to guess beyond like, a manner of two weeks, maybe three, because life can change extremely quickly. 100%. But the way that music is sort of moving in the digital age is it's creating all these sort of passive applications. And by that, I mean, if I post a music video, it sits there online for 15, 20 years. I don't have to do anything else with it. If I'm posting songs on Spotify and I'm paying my distributors, they exist for as long as I want them to. So at a certain point, your music has sort of reached out as far as it can with these passive activities. And then from there, I would like to build on those things like having a YouTube channel, uh, selling sample packs, having people enjoying, you know, multiple albums and EPs that I have on Spotify. Once I get to that point, I don't have to, I hate the word grind, but I don't have to grind so hard to accomplish those things. And I can focus my real attention into the more active parts of music that I'm interested in, like composing soundtracks for video games collaborations with other artists, traveling, uh, creating music videos and animation projects. I want to bring the music more offline and into real life. So I have plans right now in Belagarth, which is a live action combat sport where I'm a wood elf. And I bring a lot of music to Belagarth and there's so many musicians there, but there's no structure for it. Hmm. And I see this real golden opportunity to band these musicians together. I already know how to compose. I know how to produce now. Mm -hmm. I've managed shows before. So I'm going to wrangle all these crazy role players in costumes. And we're going to have violins and sea shanties and ballads. Mm -hmm. uh, I really want to start bringing music into reality and not just in the, the web. <laughs> yeah, that sounds super, super fun. And definitely keep me posted on all those things. You know, you're trying to make music more real and physical spaces with other people and in, in different mediums, I guess, or in different ways and things like that. So in the age of a digital consumerism, where people are constantly looking to mass produce things, you know, like you said, machine kind of crank these things out, put them on the shelf for consumption immediately. Is music to you like a material good or something that's accessed on like, I guess, a different plane of existence? I see music as much more of a spiritual and emotional process than something to create and consume. I think we only sort of started getting into that idea with the rise of Western culture and, I mean, consumerism as a whole, being able to record and package a piece of music to then put in stores or in people's cars on the radio. We've been doing that for maybe only a hundred-ish years where the musical process has been foundational to human history, from spiritual practice to culture to the creation of countries and different scales and modes. Music is, is very much more of a root 
Before we get into Leif's advice for artists, I just wanted to remind you that you can listen to Leif's most recent release, Something Deep Within, on the Swan SWUN Freshman Class of 2021 playlist, where I have songs from all the guests of the show and from some noteworthy mentions. Be sure to follow our show wherever you go to stay updated on all things music. And if you want to follow Leif, links will be in the description if you're on YouTube or just look them up on Spotify or Bandcamp. If you're an artist who's interested in joining me for a round of conversational PVP, hit me up at So Who's Up Next on Instagram. Instagram. Now let's hear some advice. The last question I have is what advice do you have for people wanting to get into the music space or maybe they're already in it and want to just up their game? What would you say to them? I always want to give some technical tip or some production secret or teach yourself music theory. Honestly, I I don't know almost anything about music theory. I know very rudimentary basics. I couldn't even describe the circle of fifths to you. Hmm. So uh, let me discount that right away. (laughs) I think truly the most important thing is to connect with yourself in all forms of the manner to deeply learn about the process of self-love because that directly ties in with what you're going to be able to not only create, but how far you can take that creation with your own passion and your own confidence. If you're not putting your heart and soul and passion into these projects, then I think you should reevaluate why you're doing it. Or I don't know, I just don't believe that should be happening. It should be very much enjoyable.